you're walking down a dark alley, you need to, you've got more to offer. You you really need to, 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 to figure out what you're gonna do because the chances of you getting through this are slim to none if you keep walking this path. And so I decided to make a decision. I got sober when I was 23 and thank God for that. Um, as soon as I got sober, I a whole new world opened up for me and I made a plan. And I said, I'm gonna go to culinary school. I'm gonna get, get my degree in culinary arts. Uh, I'm gonna work in a kitchen or two and I am going to develop a, a restaurant concept and open up my own restaurant at 27 or 28. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. You know, I get to meet some pretty interesting people on the podcast, but this week's guest is no exception. I'm speaking with Mr. Michael Chernow, who is a serial entrepreneur, restaurateur, celebrity chef, fitness guru, and overall business impresario. This is going to be a really action-packed episode with lots of key learnings. But before we begin, I'd like to answer a listener question. We have a new feature now, and Jim called in asking, is now a good time to raise menu prices? Well, normally, I would suggest that on an annual basis, every restaurant should strategically evaluate its menu and raise prices where it makes sense to do so. But now, as we you know, emerge from the pandemic, can Consumers, our guests are hypersensitive to increased prices. They're noticing more and more, especially in light of the labor shortage and the fact that so many restaurants are not able to provide the service that our guests have come to expect. So my answer there would be be very careful. But if you do choose to raise prices, communication is so important. Communicate to your guests and explain your situation honestly, transparently, because a lot of them have no idea, you know, that you're still struggling in so many areas and we're doing our best to serve our guests. Thanks for uh, that question, Jim. If you'd like to leave a question, just go to our podcast page. And for this episode, on the show notes, about halfway down, you'll see a button that says, Ask Us Anything. All you do is press that button. You can record a message, and I'll get right back to you with an answer. Now, let's listen to this week's episode. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. From one veteran operator to another, you want raving fans for your restaurant. And it's all about turning more first-time guests into regular repeat visitors. Let me tell you about Pop Menu. Pop Menu is the full digital solution for independent restaurant owners. Starting with a powerful mobile-friendly website, dynamic interactive menus you can update on the fly, online ordering and delivery, and a complete automated marketing platform, Pop Menu gives restaurateurs all the tools they need so you can focus on what matters most your guests, and your food. If you're a restaurateur, Pop Menu can take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, Pop Menu is offering our listeners $100 off your first month plus an unchanging lifetime rate. Why not get a free demo and see what Pop Menu is all about? Go to popmenu.com slash rockstars. Rockstars, let me tell you about Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed for restaurateurs, by restaurateurs. Effective labor management is more important than ever to maximize profit and success, especially now as restaurants begin to reopen and expand their teams. Trusted by over half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use and trust, turning your team into a competitive advantage to your business. Right now, Restaurant Rockstar's listeners can get three months absolutely free. 
Get started now at sevenshifts.com forward slash restaurant rockstars. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com forward slash restaurant rockstars to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now on with the episode. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and these are engaging topics that help restaurants rock their profits, build their brands, deliver amazing guest service experiences, but it's also about inspiration. And I have very few innovative, really dynamic guests that have a a unique story to tell that kind of takes them from the restaurant industry, outside the industry, and then pivots them back into the industry in a whole refreshing and new way. So with me today, my guest, Mr. Michael Chernow, and he is a serial entrepreneur and an author and a restaurateur and a fitness guru and a celebrity chef all rolled into one. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you? I'm really well. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really glad you're here because again, this is such an interesting you know, conversation we're going to have. So let's talk about everyone has a backstory in hospitality and you were a chef. And so you maybe discovered cooking in an early age, maybe you discovered it a little later in life. I don't know, but where did it all begin for you? Let's, let's, let's talk about your career trajectory, where you've been. Then we're going to talk all about substance abuse, which is prevalent in this business. And you got a story there, you know, the fitness piece, but take us from the beginning. Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I grew up in New York City. I grew up in Manhattan. And uh, my parents uh, didn't have an enormous amount of cash. And so in order to have money, because I, I, wanted, I wanted things, growing up in New York City, you're exposed to things at a very early age. Oh, yes. And so I, was paid, I paid close attention to things early on, and I wanted them. I had to work. And my first job was actually at St. Thomas More Church <laughs> when I was 12 years old, uh, working in the rectory, signing uh, funeral cards or you know whatever I, I needed to do. And then I quickly, got a, I, I quickly learned that that wasn't a job for me. I got a job at Couch Potato Video, delivering videos. And a buddy of mine, who's actually my partner in the meatball shop, was working at a restaurant just down the street called the Candle Cafe and said, hey, churn out, you know, you're delivering videos. Why don't you come over to Cano Cafe and, and, and deliver food as well. And I said, I think I could do both actually. And I was, I was pretty quick. I was on rollerblades uh, at the time in 1993. That was a cool thing to do. I used to do and, that too. <laughs> yeah, I get it. You know, and so that was my first uh, opportunity to work in a restaurant. And to be totally honest, when I walked in the doors of that restaurant, I felt like I had arrived. I, I love the environment. I loved um, mingling with older people. Um, I was sort of an always an outgoing guy. So I, I connected with people very quickly. Um, I started in the kitchen as a dishwasher and a prep cook and, uh, and a delivery guy whenever, you know, whatever job they needed me for. And I worked there for, for a year or so. And that started my career in restaurants. At that restaurant, I really learned about my passion for believe it or not, at such a young age, healthy food. Uh, it was a vegan restaurant, or it still is a vegan restaurant. It's still there. And um, I was eating kale and carrot ginger dressing before it was a thing. And uh, 
you know, I, I continued to work throughout through through restaurants in the front of the house and the back of the house. I ended up predominantly spending more time in the front of the house uh, as my you know career grew. Uh, all through high school, I worked and uh, I graduated from high school and decided that I wanted to try Los Angeles for a little while. Went out to LA, worked at a restaurant with Daniel out out in LA. Came back to New York, and uh, you know, all along the way, I was. Um, I was working in the night and I was a crazy kid and I was partying way too much. And so finally I, you know, was able to gather my thoughts and have some people sort of tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey kid, you know, you're, you're really, uh, you're walking down a dark alley. You need to, you've got more to offer. You, you really need to, 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 to figure out what you're going to do because the chances of you getting through this are slim to none if you keep walking this path. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to make a decision. I got sober when I was 23 and thank God for that. Um, as soon as I got sober, I, a whole new world opened up for me and I made a plan and I said, I'm going to go to culinary school. I'm going to get my degree in culinary arts. Uh, I'm going to work in a kitchen or two and I am going to develop a, a restaurant concept and open up my own restaurant at 27 or 28. Excellent. Cool. That's exactly what I did. Um, I went to culinary school at the French Culinary Institute. I got a degree in culinary education. At the time, they were for the first time offering this restaurant management program, which is essentially a truncated uh, Cornell um, hospitality program that, that, that Cornell put together with some of the Union Square Hospitality Group guys. And I, uh, I, I applied for a uh, scholarship for that and I won the scholarship and I, <clears throat> I did that. It took me about two and a half years to graduate from, from culinary program uh, and, the, and the management program. And then I started putting pen to paper and I started writing um, business plan. And, you know, I, I say this pretty quickly telling the story, but like the whole way through, I, even when I was, you know, an absolute mess, I was passionate about food, beverage, service and hospitality. Just, and I still am you know, enormously yeah, passionate about for sure. And so, uh, you know, I wrote a business plan. I was working at a restaurant in the East Village for a number of years. And uh, when I was done with that business plan, I finally convinced Daniel Holzman to move back from California to join me in New York. Uh, I put that plan in front of about 20 regulars at the restaurant that I had grown up in. You know, I worked there for almost eight years at that point. And, uh, you know, 14 of the guys wrote me a check to start my, to start the meatball shop. And so we opened up the meatball shop uh, in February of 2010, coming out of the pit of a recession to unbelievable success. We really got a crash course in business. Um, we raised more money very quickly, paid our investors back in six months and opened up five more restaurants. I uh, learned along that journey that my passion really resided in culture, design, brand, community, um, and creativity. And I really wanted to create again. And Daniel wanted to take the business in a different direction than I wanted to take it in. And so, you know, I said to him, Hey man, like, why don't you do that? And I'll sit on the board and, you know, you guys buy some of my equity so that I can then go out and create again. And that's exactly what I did. And, uh, in 2015, I opened up my second restaurant concept called Seymour's uh, which is a sustainable seafood concept. There's now five of those in New York. And uh, that took me through 2019 when I had the same feeling. Uh, I, you know, I really wanted to create something new and um, fitness, wellness, mindfulness, um, overall wellness is, has been a massive part of my life since I got sober. And I knew that the next thing I was going to do was going to be directly correlating, correlated to wellness. 
And so I came up with a concept, a restaurant concept called Creatures of Habit. Creatures of Habit was a concept that uh, was going to be a, uh, a dinner part to the Sweet Greens day part. Uh, I felt like a lot of people that were lining up for Sweet Greens in all major cities really sort of didn't have a place with similar values and quality at night, um, really sort of thinking about people's health and wellness, but offering a really cool experience. And so that's what I wanted to create with Creatures of Habit. And um, I set out to do that. And then boom, March 2020 uh, got, you know, smashed, smashed me in the face. And All my whole plan. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so the, the cool thing about my vision for this brand, though, was I wasn't looking to scale the restaurant concept necessarily, because that I found out was not something that I really loved. Uh, my plan was to use the restaurant, obviously, as a revenue stream, but ultimately as an incubator slash marketing brand hub for a line of consumer packaged goods that I would ultimately scale in retail. And when the pandemic hit and I watched our industry completely crash and burn in a matter of weeks, uh, it was devastating. Uh, luckily, the meatball shop in Seymour's made it through and they're going to be okay. But, uh, you know, I, I watched a lot of friends um, you know, have a very difficult time. All of us were, were, oh, yeah. were blown away by it. And so uh, I decided to take a step back and uh, think about what I wanted to do next. And I, I found out through some self-exploration that I didn't need to open up a restaurant, that I can go straight to consumer packaged goods and really see if I had what it took to be an entrepreneur in another industry. And that's when I started developing um, the brand of what, what is now Creatures of Habit, which is a direct-to-consumer uh, CPG company with a really awesome group of people around me. Uh, gearing up to launch real soon. And uh, the first product that we're launching is something called the protagonist, which is as like all the concepts that I have done or all the businesses that I've launched um, as authentic to me as my teeth, you know, um, really authentic. And, uh, and, and the protagonist is a blend of gluten-free oats, plant-based protein powder, vitamin D3, omega-3 fatty acids, pink Himalayan salt, probiotic, um, digestive enzymes, just all the, 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 the wellness that I want to put into my body in the beginning of the day, I, I made a formula um, to introduce to the market as an instant oatmeal or overnight oatmeal product that not only delivers nutrition, but performance. And um, I'm really proud of it. You know, we talked a lot about the, well, the ever-present pivots that were so necessary for operators during COVID that continue to happen. Pivots aren't over, you know, businesses and restaurants keep pivoting. But you've done a monumental personal pivot yourself because we did talk about your sobriety, at, you know, at age 23 and all that. And that, there was a road to recovery piece to that. And then you had this broad vision of, you know, getting back into the restaurant business, going to culinary school, you know, getting the skills and then not just learning or enhancing your cooking ability, but learning the business side of things to become an entrepreneur. It laid the foundation for your career and what you're doing now. Can you describe to me what that road to recovery was like? Because I know that this industry is rife, like I said, with substance problems. And there are owners, there are managers that are addicted to multiple things. And they're still, some of them are functioning and some of them are non-functioning, but this business is kind of rife with that. And not every business is, but right down to the employees, it's that you're hiring. And in a labor shortage right now, it's like restaurants will take anyone they can get. And there are going to be drugs and alcohol issues now brought into the workplace that may or may not have existed before. So 
operators and managers need to find a balance to stay healthy because this is such a demanding business and you've got so much knowledge to share and so many nuggets of information about your own personal journey. Can you describe a little bit more about what that journey was like for you and how you ultimately got clean, how long that took and how much better you feel now and all the opportunities that opened up to you that would not have had you stayed, you know, as a, as a user of whatever the substance was. Sure. Um, well, you know, I, um, I decided to get sober um, and I had never taken a step out of the restaurant business, by the way. Like I, I stepped into nightclubs a little bit, um, you know, between 15 and 23, but I pretty much stayed in service hospitality uh, the whole time. You know, we call ourselves pirates and the restaurants, the pirate ship. Uh, a lot of people end up in the restaurant business as opposed to look to seek it out. Um, you know, we are yeah. unique individuals that thrive off of um, intense, like, it, there's a level of, of um, what's the word I'm looking for, adrenaline that rushes through a restaurant at 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night on a oh, Friday. Nice that is that is really hard to replicate in any other industry it's like um, being a rock star you know you're on stage and you're performing for this audience that's coming in and it's busy and i get it and there's that chemistry of the team and the energy in the air i think that's what you're talking about but keep going that that's exactly what i'm talking about and so every single component of that machine needs to function properly yeah. in order for it to actually work. And that is right. one of the reasons, not the reason, one of the reasons why the restaurant business is so tough. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a very tough industry, but, but that energy and that, that adrenaline is not for everyone. However, the people that it is for tend to be risk takers, tend to be uh, a little crazy. Um, and, uh, and, and I fit right in. And so, you know, being able to work at night and drink and do drugs and, you know, just and, and especially for me at such a young age, really be able to like hang out with older folks. It just it just felt like it was the right place for me. And, you know, I also didn't come from the greatest family situation. I had a lot of struggles at home and I moved out of my parents house when I was 15. So I was a bit of a of a, of a wild child. Um, but I will say that. Um, you know, my my boss at the restaurant that I worked at, which is a place called Frank Restaurant. Um, it's an incredible place. It still exists. It's one of the best restaurants in the city, as far as I'm concerned. My boss, I had slept through work for the umpteenth time. My boss took me aside and said, Mikey, I love you. I really love you. I'm not going to watch you kill yourself. And I got to fire you. And very few people got fired from that restaurant because he vetted everybody and everybody sort of was like a real unit. And I said, Frank, you can't fire me, man. I'm so sorry. I will never, this will never happen again. He said, Mikey, I can't watch this happen. I'm going to, you, you got to go. You just, you got to go figure your shit out. And I begged him and he gave me one ultimatum. He said, listen, if you 100% commit to getting sober, by the way, he was not sober by, by any stretch. He said, if you commit to getting sober, and show up to this restaurant every morning at 8 a.m. for 30 days and clean the restaurant with the porters and call me when you get there. The, if you call a minute late, it's over. 
I will give you an opportunity to have your job back. You will not work behind the bar. You will not manage the, that side of the restaurant. Wow. You can you can get sober and you can clean the restaurant with the porters. Tough love right there. Yeah. And he saved my ass. Um, and I'm and because that job was everything to me that at that time. Nice. And uh, and so that's what I did. I got sober. I went to you know, I got sober and uh, I met a number of guys along the way that taught me how to eat, that taught me that fitness and and um, and and nutrition were going to save my life, along with, you know, doing some work on myself. And uh, they threw me into a boxing gym, a Muay Thai boxing gym. And they said, this is where you're going to get your energy out. Uh, and they gave me a plan and my life changed almost immediately. Um, and I learned that I didn't want to drink and do drugs anymore. Um, I really I really wanted to to be something and do something. And I knew that, you know, I had always been an entrepreneur. I had always been crafty and always been hustling and trying to make things and do things. Um, even when I was, you know, on the darker side of the tracks, but, uh, this gave me a real opportunity to be clear and, and to put a plan in place. And, and that's what I did. And so, you know, I don't remember for me it being that challenging only because I had been, I was at the bottom of the barrel. I was really down and out. I One not, way to go. Yeah. I, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't like who I was. I didn't love myself in any way, shape or form. I, I probably wanted to die at that time in my life. Cause I just didn't feel like I was putting any value out there. Cause I think ultimately we as human beings are here to be of service and put out value. And if we can't put out value, then we're just simply lost. And so I was able to start to realize that I'm a valuable person and, uh, and, uh, I, I can, I can be of service to others. And that's when everything changed. Now let's go back to your culinary institute training, because there are a lot of chefs out there that come up through the ranks, either apprenticing under a chef, they become a sous chef, starting off as a prepper, line cook, they go to school. I mean, there's lots of different paths to cooking, right? And to working in high level restaurants, but then ultimately so many chefs out there are tired of working for other people like you. They want to put their stamp on something, make their mark in the world. And a lot of them just have really amazing culinary skills, but they don't suddenly realize that, hey, this is a business. And now suddenly I've got to be a human relations expert and a marketing and a PR person. And I've got to manage people and manage processes. And I've got to know the financial side of the business. You obviously, I'm, I'm hearing that you got a good foundational element in that, but it was also something internal about you that you know led you to become a serial entrepreneur. Can you speak to that whole experience that, you know, might be good advice for chefs that want to build their careers and not just be chefs and go on to start their own restaurants, but it's so challenging because you need all the pieces or else work with someone as a partner who has the pieces you don't have. What, what would you say your best advice would be there? Not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, um, right. And I, I have a podcast called born or made. And my podcast talks exactly about this question, nature, nurture. Mm -hmm. I, I believe I was born with an inherent fearless gene to have an idea, say it out loud, and then go and fucking do it. And that is something that I've always had. Yeah. I was selling my baseball cards. I was selling my toys when I was five and six years old, you know, outside of my apartment building. I, I've always had this sort of like, what do you mean? I can't do it. Gene, 
Um, and uh, and so if, if, if you are a defensive player, which, by the way, every single team needs and is absolutely necessary, uh, if you are a defensive player, chances are the entrepreneurial gene is not for you because you are trying to protect mm-hmm. um, your assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you are an offensive player, your goal is every single day you wake up is to is to win and to 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 do it pretty much at at uh, at, at any means. And so you can't necessarily be, be so focused on the protection component because you have to drive forward. And I don't have fear when it comes to starting businesses. If I had it, if I had fear, trust me, I would not be where I am today. I, I am literally people still ask me my wife. She's like, are you fucking going to do another business? Like, can we just can you just stick with one and just be happy and and go? And I'm just like, well, you know, I, I just have this 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 desire this hunger this this ferocious sort of need to create and to take risk and inner to drive too right it's a burning inner drive that it's, I'm it's just like if i can't i if i if i see something you know for me it's like i can explain it only like this when i walk into a, a restaurant that i'm looking to to buy right because typically either you walk into a, a a raw space or you walk into an existing restaurant when you're when you're expanding a restaurant concept I literally walk into the space, I look around, I take a deep breath and I close my eyes. And if I can see, physically see the, the, the business in the restaurant, I know it's totally possible. There's a, hundreds of restaurants that I've walked into that I've, I've actually attempted that, that um, exercise and have not been able to see it and turned around and walked right out. Um, and so that is my, I think in, in business in restaurant business, that's sort of my superpower. I have the ability to close my eyes, hear it, see it, smell it, believe it, know where everything's going to go, awesome. the lighting, the whole thing. And then I'll sit down and I'll look at my business partner and I'll say, Hey, this is how this thing is going to look. And let's pull the trigger on it. And I'm, and I, and, and at that point, like obviously rent isn't, is, is something that I take into consideration, but if I can get that vision, it's not really that important to me to 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 worry about the downside. Um, you know, it's just not. So uh, I, I think that that entrepreneurial thing for any chef out there or any, uh, you know, restaurant entrepreneur, you know, you got to ask yourself the serious question. Just because you are a technician for, and a really fucking good one does not mean you are going to be an incredible business owner. Right? Correct. Yep. And like, and, and that's okay too, by the way, there are, are amazing management restaurant managers that I know that are, that make, you know, six mid six figures a year that don't have to worry about the stress of rent and the stress, you know what I mean? Like it's a tough, it's a tough business to be in. Um, but I say, if you are that person that just can't sleep at night, thinking about doing your own thing, stop fucking questioning it, stop analyzing it, write it down, put it out there into the universe and just go and do it. That's just it. Like you can't, like, there's never going to be a right time. The line, the stars are never going to align. It's not like, you know, like none of that shit, actually all those, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. Like, mm. You just got to go do it and you got to take the leap. And 
you know, oh, I can't raise money. Well, then you're not meant to do it, right? Like if you can't raise money and you want to be an entrepreneur, you might as well throw in the towel. You got to be able to raise money. And by the way, everybody starts somewhere. Everybody starts somewhere. Ask if you ask a thousand people and you get one person, well, now you know that you've got to ask 15,000 people to get to where you need to go. And if you're not prepared to do that, that's what it takes. I'm hearing relentless turnover, every rock, go for it, leap of faith. Um, you either got it in there or you don't. It's like, wow, that's all amazing stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Yeah. Let's go back to the protagonist. Let's talk about, you briefly mentioned what it was. You were having a bowl when we first got on this call. Let's, let's talk about what your vision is for that product as sort of, you know, launching forward. What new products do you have on the horizon? Obviously, you know, creatures of habit, what a cool name. And it's spelled with a K, not a C. It's like, you've got a budding company here that has, you know, global potential to, to change the world and, and to change the way people eat and change the way people feel about themselves and sort of total shift their lifestyle. Let's talk about that. Let's start with protagonists. Let's talk about what you see as a future vision, what can complement that product, but start again with what is it and why, and how do you feel when you start eating it? And does it take a while to really feel the benefits of this new way of, of eating and nutrition and all that stuff? And, and is it combined with exercise to make, give you the whole picture? Take me through all that. Sure. So, I, I mean, I, I'd like to start with creatures of habit first, because, Please do. Um, yeah. I, you know, creatures of habit is really sort of the brainchild of the protagonist. Um, okay. So Creatures of Habit is a business that I, all the businesses <laughs> that I've developed, I've actually developed on long distance runs. Uh, running is when I do my best thinking, uh, running without music. And so I knew that I wanted to do the next thing. And I started thinking about what that was going to be. Habits are not only for me, everything, but habits are everything for everyone. You are. are your habits. You are yep. your decisions. Every decision you make will ultimately develop or, or, or produce an outcome that is either going to help you or hurt you, right? And so I learned that pretty quickly uh, when I got sober. And uh, I started to implement and stack habits, positive daily habits that helped me make better decisions every day. It starts from the second I wake up in the morning, the second I open my eyes, I've got a long list of very small things that I do that set me up for success. I can't necessarily, I can share those things, but I can't necessarily sell all those things aside from the first thing that I put into my body every day. The first thing that I've been putting into my body every day, habitually, every single day, without fail for many years, is a blend of gluten-free oats, plant-based protein. I have, a, I have on the side of that my vitamin D3, my omega-3 fatty acids, I put pink Himalayan salt into it. I put pumpkin seeds into it. I put flax seeds and chia seeds um, and, uh, and a probiotic I have on the side, a digestive enzyme I have on the side. So I have all this stuff in front of me every single morning as I'm preparing my first meal. And that first meal comes typically after I work out in the morning. Um, but that first meal doesn't have to be after a workout. That first meal is, is something that is going to nourish me and give me an opportunity to feel good about the first nutritional decision I make in the day. And so I said, you know, 
nobody's really done anything revolutionary with oatmeal and people eat oatmeal globally and it's a $4 billion market. If I can get even a tiny sliver, if I can figure out a way to put all this good stuff, not only because oatmeal is delicious and oatmeal is comforting and, you know, but if I can add all this sort of like optimizing, like elevating performance-based stuff into this product, it's going to be a little bit different than oatmeal, but it's going to offer an enormous upside. So that, that was my path for starting the protagonist. And I call it the protagonist because it's protein and oats, right? So I spell it P-R-O-A-T. Um, and I started that journey. You know, I believe the business of business is relationships and storytelling. And I've always had a story when I've launched a business that was authentic to me. The meatball shop started because I used to eat meatballs in Frank restaurant. It was a dish called the rag, rigatoni ragu. I took out the rigatoni. I would just have the meatballs and the sauce. That was my home. That was my family meal most nights. Seymour's was a, a, a restaurant that I started because I grew up fishing and it was one of the only things that I really felt like I had a connection to my father with. And I absolutely loved fishing and I fished on the, you know, I fished in right outside of New York and I caught bluefish and blackfish and porgy and tautog and all these fish that no one ever heard of. And I said, shit, man. I've got to put a highlight on these fish, come to realize that those fish were sustainable and underutilized. And that was the story of Seymour's. And so now the protagonist is a story that I feel like I can change many lives with, because if I can give people a habit to implement into their life on a daily basis to help them make better decisions and actually feel good and know that like, look, 90% of the population is vitamin D3 and omega-3 deficient. Our bodies do not produce those essential things that we need, D3 and omega-3. D3, specifically in today's age with COVID and all that stuff, is enormous for immune immunity. It is enormous. Without D3, your immune system suffers, period, done. With the right amount of D3, your immune system functions on high octane. So I wanted to say, okay, D3, there's a, there's, a, there's a litany of other things D3 does, but I knew that D3 was something that I supplemented with uh, for years, and I wanted to be able to put that in the product, plant-based D3. Omega-3. Omega-3 is absolutely integral for brain health, heart health, so many things omega-3 does. Many, many people don't get the proper amount of omega-3. So I wanted to put in D3 and omega-3. Those are two very important pieces of the puzzle and the protagonist. Because if you are supplementing with it, then you've got it on the side and you're paying extra for it. If you eat the protagonist on a daily basis, it's all in there, made in under three minutes or overnight. That's a long way of saying the product of the protagonist is the ultimate way to kickstart your day. It's the ultimate pre-workout meal, post-workout meal. If you're a traveler and you, you struggle with eating a healthy breakfast or a healthy meal on the go, like you take five pouches of the protagonist with you and you're, and you're good to go. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, you know, you're going on a road trip. Like there's just so many applications for the protagonist. For me, it's what I keep in, in the pantry. I wake up in the morning. If I want hot oatmeal, I pour it into a bowl. I add hot water. I stir it up. I cover it for about 90 seconds and it's good to go. Or I make it the night before, like in the summertime, I prefer it a little colder. So I make it the night before and I put it in the fridge. And when I, when I wake up in the morning, it's ready to go. Um, I just believe that that oatmeal is something that needs a little bit of life. And, uh, and, and if I can add really, 
life optimizing ingredients to it that are all natural, that are plant-based, that are allergen free, that, that is, that is available to everyone and anyone. I've got something special. The other piece of the brand that I think is really important to talk about is the lifestyle component. So mm-hmm. being healthy is not just nutrition, right? Being healthy is how you feel, what you think, how you dress, who you hang out with, where you work out, how you work out, all those things are, you know, like healthy lifestyle is something that is all encompassing, um, who you hang out with. And so I wanted to create a lifestyle component to the brand that was going to allow me to tell better stories outside of just the oatmeal story or the CPG story. Life's, you know, fashion is something that I've always loved. I grew up in New York City. I pay attention to it. I've always been a collector of fashion. And so I created a really cool line of apparel to go with the brand so that people that are a part of it can feel part of a team really so that they can feel like they're, they're wearing a Jersey. They've got the uniform. It's really cool stuff. It's small little capsule collections. And, um, and, and that, and, and it's going to allow us to tell stories in places that we wouldn't necessarily be able to tell stories with just the oatmeal product. Is the apparel branded creatures of habit? Yep. So the apparel is creatures of habit. Uh, awesome. you know, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's nothing fancy. It is, but it's all custom cut. And so every single piece was made and designed by me. Uh, it's t-shirts, it's hoodies, it's sweatpants, it's socks. It's uh, we did a collaboration with van sneakers. So we have two, two custom van sneakers that we're launching with. Um, awesome. It's a really cool, it's, it was for me, it's just a yeah. storytelling component that's going to allow me to collaborate with others and tell great stories. That is cool. And it complements protagonist and anything in the future it all sort of is consistently branded and it just fits the lifestyle that's just no one thing to just put a put a put a a stake in it right like yeah we are our habits yes if you make great decisions in the beginning of the day your chances of making great decisions throughout the rest of the day are far greater right if you eat a donut chances are you're going to eat a eat a you know burger and fries for dinner if you eat a delicious bowl of healthy oatmeal in the morning you might just have a, a, a you know a piece of fish and, and veggies for dinner right like i'm just trying to say hey habits have changed my life i am living uh like for me i never thought that i'd be able to live the life that i'm living today it is all directly resulting it is it is all a direct result of my ability to consistently make great decisions on a daily basis from the moment I open my eyes to the moment I go to bed. That's awesome. Let me ask you a question. Let's go back to the protagonist for a moment. Let's talk about the flavor profile because a lot of healthy foods are really good for you, but it takes a while to get used to them and either like it or you don't. But I also heard that you have all these supplements. We talked about omegas and and we talked about D3s and all that. So I guess I want to understand, is everything now all-inclusive in that packet, or do you still need to add anything to it to bring it to the level at which you're eating it like you did this morning? You don't have to add anything to it outside of toppings that you would want to potentially put in like fruit. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, everything that I listed, gluten-free oats, plant-based protein, 30 grams of plant-based protein, which we are the only person in the whole entire market that has 30 grams of of plant-based protein and 30 grams of protein in general, pink Himalayan salt, chia seeds, flax seeds, omega-3, vitamin D3, probiotic, digestive enzymes. Um, It's all there. It's all there. That's tremendous. Um, Let's also ask is there different flavors to the protagonist? Does it come in different varieties or is it the, the one product? 
Uh, so we're launching with three flavors. Uh, yeah, I want to keep those it simple. Are... Chocolate, yeah. vanilla, and blueberry banana. There you go. They are all delicious. Um, and they're not overly sweet. I wasn't trying to create a dessert. Um, but they are all delicious and craveable. Um, incredibly satiating. And uh, nice. Yeah, they're re- it's really it's really great. The, the the other the other component that I didn't mention or I, I I breezed over was was the versatility of it. So you can make it with adding just adding hot water, throw it into a bowl or a jar, stir it up really well, cover it, let it sit for for you know sixty to ninety seconds. Uh, you can add water, stir it up really well, throw it into a microwave for ninety seconds. You can add milk, water, or any you know liquid that you feel like you want to eat it with, mm-hmm. stir it up well, throw it in the fridge overnight, and it's ready and delicious in the morning. You can also make a smoothie out of it. So you can just pour it into a blender, add a little liquid, some ice, blitz it, and it's and it's and it's awesome. And if you're really in a pinch, um, and I've been known to do this, I just you know if I'm walking out of the gym and I want something really fast, I just take it, pour it into my water bottle or or, or, a, or a shaker bottle, add cold water, shake it up, and and down it, and it's it's delicious. <laughs> That's killer. Let's talk about, you've also had some major network television appearances, beat Bobby Flay and Chopped. Like, how did all that come about? And what was, you know, what were those episodes about? Tell us about, you know, the competitions or what you actually did on those shows. Well, I mean, I've been a, I've been a judge on a number of shows over the years. You know, yeah. media became something that was a part of my life early on, at, you know, with the success of the Meatball Shop. Um, I was on, yeah, I was on Beat Bobby Flay a bunch. I was on... Um, I was on Chopped. I was on a number of Food Network shows. And then I landed my own TV show called Consume the Real Restaurant Business with my partner, Daniel, that aired on CNBC. It was a really cool six episode season. Uh, And then shortly after that, I landed another TV show that I hosted called Food Porn, where I traveled around the country for 26 episodes and, you know, found the coolest food to eat. Um, And that was on the FYI network. And so you know, media is something uh, that I'm super comfortable with. I actually yeah. really enjoy. Um, I really enjoy uh, television. I enjoy being on TV. I'm not. It doesn't scare me. Um, you know, I actually I remember the first time we were on live TV. I think it was Fox and Friends, and that was my first time doing live television. One of the first three or four times Daniel and I were on TV, and that was kind of terrifying. Um, but aside from that, that sort of like you know, broke me in. And then I just, you know, I just sort of fell in love with it. That's great. Let's, let's get into the workouts. Now, do you, you mentioned um, something called Muay Thai boxing, which I'm not familiar with. Do you still do that? And what is that? And let's talk about other things that you do besides that. I know you're a marathoner, you're a, a, you know, a bodybuilder. Let's, let's talk about all of your, you know, activities that round out the diet now. Yeah, so similar to nutrition, um, I've implemented uh, fitness habits over the years, um, and uh, and I'm and I'm not a unique guy, really. Honestly, anybody who wants something and then does it gets it. It's just that's like the want plus do equals have. It's just that right. there's only right. way to get one way to get to have, and you gotta you gotta want it, you gotta do it, and then you get it. And I knew that I wanted to get in great shape when I got sober. Um, and these guys saw the energy level that I had, you know, I was a bit of a, I was a really fun drunk to be around, but if you said something that I didn't like, you know, I've been known to sock you one. Um, 
being a New York City kid. And yeah, so they knew that yeah. about me. So they so they said, hey, we're going to put you into a place where, where, where you're going to get your ass kicked and you're going to get humbled and you are going to learn the hard way um, and enjoy it. And so they took me to this Muay Thai gym, which is a, uh, it's a martial art Muay Thai. It's the, uh, it's the Thai uh, form of martial arts. It's the national sport in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a pretty brutal, uh, you know, striking sport. I, they took me in there. I saw a bunch of people that I, I, I said, this, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, I always wanted to be a ninja when I was a kid. I never got into, into, you know, martial arts as a young kid. And when I walked in there, I, I said, this is something I can wrap my head around. And I can honestly say that I learned an enormous amount about who I am. And I was given a toolkit and a, a set of morals in that, in that academy. It was called, it's called five points Academy. Uh, because I consistently got beat up. Um, and I learned that I might not be the best in anything I do, but I will promise you that I have a heart of a lion and it doesn't matter how big you are and how scary or how tall the mountain, like I will fall down and get right back up every single time. And I learned that there through pain and suffering, um, in a positive way though, you know, I really needed to be right-sized and that's how I learned it. And the guys in there took me in. They knew that they knew my situation. They knew that I was trying to get my life together and they taught me how to be a man there. And, uh, and I trained that, um, that sport for 12 years intensely. Um, I really trained it intensely. I got very good at it and it taught me, uh, it introduced running into my life, which in many ways is, was, a, was a lifesaver for me. Uh, whenever I was, struggling with something, I would put on my running shoes and go out for a run. Um, fitness saved my life. Um, between getting sober, you know, obviously getting sober saved my, my life really, but it introduced me to fitness and fitness saved and saves my life every single day. Uh, when you can do something consistently that gives you uh, a level of confidence that you can see yourself getting better at, that gives you that offers this ability to, to to learn about discipline and 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 commitment and integrity and growth there's very few things in the world on a daily basis that can offer those things every single time somebody asks me that you know talks to me about you know struggling with with something i ask them when the last time they worked out was or when the last time they took a run or even a walk and, and a lot of the times they can't give me an, an honest answer. And so my solution for, for, for recovery in many ways is wellness. And it typically starts with fitness. I believe it's, it's, it's given me everything I have today. Um, and it's only because I'm sober, but fitness has really given, you know, given me this, this ability to, to, to build confidence within myself, to feel like I can do things I don't just have to want things. I can actually go out and do them. And then I started becoming very competitive and I wanted to compete. And so I started running marathons and I started competing in Muay Thai. Then after, you know, getting my nose broken one too many times and, you know, feeling like I was not going to be a professional Muay Thai kickboxer, um, I I started to, to get into weight training and weight training was something I really fell in love with. I ran the New York City Marathon in 2018 and I was just weight training, you know, like I was doing it as a supplement to my, my running. And this, this girl who I know, who I deeply respect said, Hey, you know, 
have you ever thought about doing a bodybuilding competition? And I was like, bodybuilding competition? I'm like, like, what, are you kidding? <laughs> I'm like 160 pounds. She was like, no, 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 like a men's physique bodybuilding competition where you can really, you know, like get focused and, and challenge yourself and see what you can do with your body. And I said, no. And she was like, well, I think you should try it out. And that's it. That day I made a commitment to myself and I said, I'm going to do it. So I went out, I got a coach and I started uh, really honing in on what that was. And that is an intense dedication to um, a life of, of, of structure yeah. and foundation. And so I competed as a bodybuilder a couple of times. I got my pro bodybuilder card. So I'm a pro bodybuilder now in September of last year. I've got a competition coming up in November. And then I believe after my first pro show, chances are, unless I do really well and win, I'm going to step over and, and, and try a new sport. Um, but uh, yeah. Let's put yourself back in the meatball shop and Seymour's. Um, do you still have um, a position in those companies or have you moved on and, and just cashed out of them? Um, I still own uh, a, a, a substantial amount of both companies. Um, I, uh, I sit on the board of both companies. Um, I'm there for both companies in many ways. Um, you know, we, we meet pretty regularly, but in terms of day-to-day -day operation decision-making, I do not. Okay. I have to leave myself for those, those responsibilities. But I'm sure you can relate to a typical restaurant owner, manager, whether it's an independent guy with one single place or you got five locations and you're juggling and hopefully you've got a management team in place and you can, I hate the word delegate because anyone can delegate, but empower your staff to really have your back, run it like they owned it. I mean, that, that sounds like your trajectory in this business, but just put your, yourself in the shoes of the typical operator or GM today in this business. How, what would your best advice be on how they can beat the stress, find a healthy balance in life, not be tied to a business that just, you know, makes them fat, makes them drink too much and just, you know, makes them a generally miserable person when literally if they've survived to this point during the pandemic and they're really trying to move forward, they need to pivot their own, their own lifestyle, not just do business as usual the way it used to be. Like, what would you say to that? What would you What's your best? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I think that, you know, the person I am today, the first thing I would say is what kind of what kind of self-care are you are you doing? That would be my first question or my first bit of advice, because if you're not doing any self-care, i.e. eating well, making sure exercise is part of your life, spending some time in silence and quiet, um, you know, giving yourself an opportunity to breathe, actually, like really pay attention to your breath. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that that sounds you know, a little ridiculous as a response to your aunt, to your question. But I can only tell you that like, without that, you are incapable of being a great leader in my, in my experience. Right. And that goes for business and family. You know, like I put myself first and not in a selfish way. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and spend two hours focusing on myself, fitness, wellness, you know, like writing, reading, eating, you know, I only do that because, well, it makes me feel good. And, and as a byproduct of it, it makes me look good, which gives me confidence. And then I'm able to actually love myself, which ultimately allows me to absolutely be of immense service to the people around me. Because if I hate myself or feel like shit all the time, the chances of me being available for someone else, zero. I put myself first, so I would recommend anybody who's out there who's really, really struggling to start thinking that way. It's not selfish, it's selfless. 
I am a better husband, father, business owner, business partner, friend, brother, son. All that stuff comes from me feeling well inside. Secondly, people are everything. People are everything. And I don't mean the guests in the restaurants, although they're very important and I love them. Yes. People are everything. And if you do not put your team first, meaning you walk into your restaurant, manager, chef, whatever, cook, bartender, owner, and you don't address every single person on that staff with a kind hello, looking them in the eyes, give them a high five, you know, you're, 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 you're making a mistake right? Like lead, for me, leading with kindness has always been the way I have gotten people to stand behind me. Um, every time I walk into the restaurant, you can ask anybody who I've ever hired, anybody who's ever worked at the restaurants. I, before I even glance at the guests, I walk in and I address every single person upstairs, downstairs, front, back, whatever. And I say, Hey, what's going on guys? Good to see you. When I leave the restaurant, I don't just walk out of the restaurant. I address every single person that's working in that restaurant and say, hey, I just want to say thanks. Awesome, awesome night you crushed. You know, Beautiful. I constantly give positive reinforcement to the team. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's unwarranted. But I just know that there's a time and a place to tell people they suck, right? And when I have to tell somebody that they suck, which is, I'm, a, I'm an owner, business owner, right? Like, I got to tell people they suck. Uh, I, I, I do something called the sandwich technique, which is, I am very well aware of if I'm working in an environment, the great things that the people do. I always pay attention to the great things. I pay not a, not a lot of attention to the shit that they don't do well, but I pay very close attention to the things that they do do well. Because when I have to go tell that person that they made a mistake and I don't actually know what to say for, or I don't actually know what they do well, I put myself in a tough spot. So the sandwich technique is I, 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 I take somebody aside and I say, hey, John, I just want to let you know the sales that I saw under your number three days ago, absolutely incredible. You crushed. I watched you. You were killing it. I just like, I couldn't believe it. You know, the, the, the bottle of blah, 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 blah that you sold. Just like, I, it was like, it was like easy for you. However, you came in late three days, three days this week. I really need you to focus on that, man. I really need you to be better at that. You know, like the people around you are, are, are seeing you show up late and I don't want to have to fire you. So I have to write you up for it. Do me a favor, man, please. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for me and the staff. I don't, I want you here, dude. And by the way, go out there and kill it tonight, man. I know that you got what it takes. Let's pick out three bottles of wine that you're going to sell tonight. That's it. You know what I mean? And that's oh, how gosh. I, that's how I do it. You're bringing me back to Frank's, you know, and that whole story you told about the tough love and, you know, getting booted out the door, but saving it at the last minute. And that was so pivotal in your life that you never forgot it. Now you're treating your own people with that same approach and instilling deep, powerful lessons about what you've learned along the way. I think nobody, want, nobody, nobody wants to hate their boss. <laughs> nobody wants to. Yeah. In many cases, they do. Yep. And let me promise you something, guys, if you are an asshole to your staff, the second you turn around, the second you turn your back on that person, they are going to roll their eyes. There's toxic toxicity in the restaurant that that is that is spread like a cancer. They're going to steal right. from you every opportunity they get. They're not going to show up at all. And you might as well throw in the towel. If you are not friendly and kind in, in most, at most of the time, now I'm not saying that you have to be friends because there's a thick line between being friendly and yep. friends. Correct. However, 
people want to love their boss. People want to love the leader. I mean, I know they do. And if you don't give them a chance to, because you can't get out of your own way, mm -hmm. because you, you're miserable in your own life. Yep. And I also gave you a solution for that. Your chances of success are slim to none. Yeah, you're you're absolutely on target right there. And that's exactly how I ran my restaurants. And we we called it the culture of hospitality, family, and fun, where it was all about hospitality and what that really meant. And everyone knew what the true meaning of that was. Everyone was family. We treated the customers, I call them guests, as family. It's like the staff became family, turnover went way down. There was recognition and rewards. There was a lot of praise. I mean, there were incentives and bonuses. I mean, all that stuff was important. So there's the family piece. And then obviously the fun, if it's not fun, why do it? You know, and that was kind of our guiding mission forward. And it served us well for decades in the business as well. So I totally think that, um, you know, you're right on target with that. Let's talk about how we can find creatures of habit and the protagonist. Is there a certain URL people can go to? It's like, you've got us all intrigued about this new, you know, line that you're starting. You've got the apparel line, you've got the protagonist. I mean, how do we find it? The best, uh, the best way to get to Creatures of Habit is to go to creaturesofhabit.com. That's with a K, K-R-E-A-T-U-R, uh, Creatures of Habit. Yeah, you can spell Dot it with a K. Sure, yeah, with um, a K, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and we have an awesome website, and that is, going, that is our main uh, way to purchase. Beautiful. You can also follow us on social media, uh, on Instagram specifically, at Creatures of Habit to sort of see what we're up to. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can, you, know, you can follow me at Michael Chernow pretty much on all platforms, uh, michaelchernow.com. I mean, there's, uh, I'll be, you know, my, my focus is 1 million percent on the creatures of habit brand. So I will be pushing it out as much as I possibly can. Um, we've got some really great investors on the cap table, guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and, um, David Meltzer and a couple of professional athletes. And, you know, um, it's, it's really going to be an awesome, Oh, wow. You've been a tremendous guest, Michael. I certainly appreciate hearing our audience certainly appreciates hearing your entire journey. It's been motivational. It's been inspirational. It's given us food for thought, no pun intended on how we can change to a healthier lifestyle and the awesome things that you're doing, you know, not only in the industry, but for people in general, I loved your, you know, your guiding philosophies on leading by example and praising your team and respect and teamwork. All those things came out in that, in this episode. So thanks for being our guest. Thanks so much for having me. It was, a, it was a great time. All right, audience. Thanks so much for tuning in. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. And as you know, we'll see you next time. Stay well. Wow, Michael, thank you so much. You've inspired us all on how we can change our lives for the better, live a healthier lifestyle, and move our businesses forward in a positive direction. You know, in order to do this, your business needs systems. It needs to be optimized. And when you do this, obviously you can take on new projects. It frees up your time. You can spend more time with family. Now, the systems I'm talking about are financial systems, knowing your critical finances, knowing what your true food, beverage, and labor costs are, knowing what your daily break-even is, and obviously increasing sales and profits. Also, training your staff to recognize opportunities, to serve and sell, to deliver amazing dining experiences, and to build your dream team, as well as proven marketing ideas that drive return on investment, new and repeat business. 
business. All of this is found in our Restaurant Rockstars Academy. You can find that at restaurantrockstars.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week. Thanks to Seven Shifts, the all-in-one labor management platform, Pop Menu, which turns more first-time visitors into regular repeat guests, as well as Cisco. Thanks again to our sponsors. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes. And also, we have that new question feature. So if you'd like to ask me a question, all you need to do is go to the show notes of this episode, obviously on our podcast page at restaurantrockstars.com. About halfway down the page, you will see Ask Us Anything. Click the button, record your message, and I'll get right back to you. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.